And so uh, as we go through this series today, uh, hopefully we'll kind of focus some of my attention on these young men and young women down here, but all of us uh, need to hear this message. And I don't know when you were growing up or those of you students, uh, you have a nickname or had a nickname. Uh, I thought about that uh, over the last week about nicknames. And I have some friends, uh, even at my old age, uh, that still have nicknames. And I'm just going to share a few of those nicknames with you. Some of those are related to me. uh, Others are not. But uh, one of my friends is BMAC. I have Chardini, Fo, that's F-O, uh, Go, Hebei, most of you know her, Doodle, Elo, Taterade, and Neil the Steel. I know he's somewhere around here. But sometimes nicknames stick and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they have great meaning and, and other times they have no meaning. They're just made up. But I wonder as you and I think about who we are and our identity, because sometimes nicknames kind of give some insight into who we are or what we do. But what would your nickname be in the family of God? What, What would your nickname be in the Christian faith? What what would it be? What, What would people or what would God say or call you if it wasn't by your given name? And that's kind of what I want us to think about today as we look at this idea of stronger, because as we've been working through this series of what it means to have kind of strong marital relationships, uh, strong in our faith and who we listen to, uh, strong in our family relationships, that was last week. I appreciate Matt sharing last week about sibling relationships and what it means to love and forgive one another in a family. And and today really is about those relationships uh, beyond your relatives, those people that pour into you and you have the opportunity to pour into. And so what would those people be called in your life? What would their nicknames be? And what would God say about you and how you've lived out your faith? And the young man we're gonna look at today, kind of a character study, is named Timothy. There's lots of passages in the Bible that we could have chosen about Timothy. Uh, but I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter three, if you're there, hopefully by now, uh, if you get to 2 Thessalonians, obviously it's too far, uh, right after Colossians. Uh, but Timothy is a third generation Christian. Uh, his grandmother uh, was a Christian. Uh, his mom was Jewish, but she believed in the Messiah, Jesus. And they imparted uh, that faith to him. And so here he is, third generation Christian, And Paul has sent him to Thessalonica to encourage this church. And it gives you just a glimpse at what his nicknames might be. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, if you'll read along with me. This is Paul writing this letter. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. That's Paul, he got left And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. For you yourselves know that we are destined for, excuse me, I messed up. For you and your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand 
that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass. And just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long and long to see us as we long to see you. I turned 50 this year and next month, actually, I need to start wearing reading glasses. I have some, but I'm just too vain right now to do it. So I guess when I hit the big 5-0, I'll start. But Timothy is mentioned two titles, two nicknames, if you will, are mentioned here by Paul. He is our brother and God's coworker. Now, wouldn't that be a great title? God's coworker. Now, I don't work for God. God's not my boss. No, I'm God's coworker. I work alongside God. Now, that would be a great title to have. That would be a great nickname to have, to be God's coworker. In other passages of scripture, Timothy is called a beloved child in the Lord by Paul. We're gonna read that in just a minute. He's called a brother. He's called a coworker. And then later on in six letters that Paul writes to churches, he lists Timothy as a co-sender. So he's a co-sender of the gospel message. He's a co-worker. He's a brother. He's a child in the Lord. So I wonder today, as you and I think about the relationships that we have with one another, with people inside the faith and outside the faith, what would our nickname be? What, what would people say about us? And how can we not only become more like Christ, but how can we be stronger in the family of faith? Well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to surround ourselves with people who help us take next steps in faith. And so the question for us is, who is helping you take your next steps in faith? Who have you surrounded yourself with that is helping you grow in your relationship with God? Whether you're far from God or you feel like you're super close to God, who is helping you take your next steps in faith? Are there people in your life that can speak truth to you? In Acts chapter two, Acts chapter 16, verses one and two, Paul chooses Timothy because Timothy was this young believer who was very well spoken of by some other Christians in another city. It matters who you know. Every opportunity just about that I've had, uh, whether that's career-wise or relationally, is because of somebody I knew. Who you know matters. And so graduates, let me encourage you to get to know your professors Get to know the administration because they will help you open doors. But get to know people of faith on your college campus. And that's true for all of us too, in your workplace, in the community, right here in this church. Get to know people who are people of faith, who, who want to see and help you grow in a mighty way. Timothy got to tag along on Paul's second missionary journey. 
He, he got to be a part of taking the gospel to some places for the very first time. God has some things in store for all of us that will be first times. You guys are gonna experience a lot of first times over the next four years. But every day, you and I have an opportunity to experience some first times in our faith. Who have you surrounded yourself with that will help you thrive in those moments? Who have you put in your life to help you take that next step of faith, to grow a little closer to Jesus, to become more like him? Because left to ourselves, we will naturally drift. If it's just all about my responsibility, if it's up to me, I probably am not gonna naturally grow closer to Jesus because I'm a sinner. And last time I checked, so are you. We need other people to help us take steps of faith, to help us, no matter how old or young we are in the faith, to be that older brother, that uncle, that parent that can guide us to greater things in faith. And then to be someone who comes alongside us as we work, as we serve. Paul calls him a fellow worker in a number of other passages. And he calls him here, God's coworker. I think about some of my coworkers, not here, but in some of my early jobs, pre-church life, I worked at a grocery store when I was 16 budget chopper on Aldine Westfield. Some of you know where that is, up in spring. I made three thirty-five an hour. That was minimum wage back in the day. And I was so excited one night, we had to strip the entire floor of the wax and, and re-wax it. So there was about eight of us there all night long. My next paycheck was like $34. Man, I, I was living large. But we had those guys, uh, and, and we see them still today at HEB and Kroger. We had those guys who, you know, they were coworkers, but they were the ones that always wanted to have cart duty. They wanted to go out and get the carts. Now, we didn't have cell phones back then, and so I don't know what they did smoke cigarettes or do something, I don't know, pick gum off their shoe. Today, I, I see those guys uh, on their cell phone, like leaning over the basket, like they're actually doing something and they're checking their text messages or looking at Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. That's not the kind of coworker I wanna be. That's not the kind of coworker that God calls us to be. He calls us to serve, to be servants, and so the question you and I have to ask is, where am I serving? Am I a coworker or just simply a seat warmer? Some of us pride ourselves in the gift of showing up. <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm here? Y yes, I am. Especially now we've got our beautiful new chairs. They're great that you paid for. Thank you for laughing at that one. It's true. But God didn't just give us the gift of showing up. I wonder 
if Timothy had just sort of tagged along with Paul and said, you know, that, that was a great season of my life. That was a one, we had a nice trip around the Mediterranean. Man, I would have never gotten that chance without Paul. And what a great trip around the Mediterranean. And then gone back and just done whatever. We wouldn't have the church at Ephesus. We wouldn't have first and second Timothy. We wouldn't have these things. If Timothy just said, mm, that was a great season. I've done that. I've got the t-shirt. Thanks a lot. No, what does Paul say about Timothy? Timothy had a task when he went to this church at Thessalonica. He had a task. He, he was to help establish them in their faith. They were struggling, they were hurting, they were being afflicted by those on the outside. They were experiencing persecution and struggle. And so he was there to help establish their faith. He was to assess sort of their spiritual and physical health to report back to Paul. He, he was sharing with them how Paul longed to see them, but, but it was being prevented. He had a great task to go to this church and bring encouragement to them, to share in their affliction, I'm sure. It wasn't like, oh, sorry, you guys are having trouble. Call me at the hotel if you need something. It wasn't service from a distance. No, he was in the middle of them, bringing encouragement to them, bringing the gospel, bringing a personal touch. He'd already done this in two other cities with Paul. And so we have to ask the question. We have to answer the question. How am I constantly bringing encouragement to others? How am I serving other people? Or at this stage of life, am I looking to be served? That's one of the challenges you guys face as graduates is it's all about you during the month of May and June and July until you hit the road in August. Because everyone is excited for you. Everyone is celebrating you. But how can you, even in this season, find some people to serve and encourage? When it's about us, can we somehow turn it so it's about others? God is always pointing us to serve others. Somehow, some way in the modern church, we've made the, the bar of Christian ministry so low of like, what does it mean to really live out the Christian faith? Coming to faith in Jesus is very simple. You simply acknowledge that you're a sinner, you're imperfect, and you can never achieve perfection, and you need the powerful, mighty perfection of Jesus who shed his blood for you on the cross to take away your sin. It's very simple but it is not easy to live out that life. But somehow we've made this gift of showing up sort of the standard of excellence in the Christian life. When God calls us to serve, a service that never ends, whether you're 18 or 88, he calls us to serve, to be a coworker, to look for a classmate who is in need, to share with a friend or a family member, to look at a neighbor and help them or to serve them or to give them the truth. One of those coworkers who's like the cart boys at HEB who has a tendency to slack off quite a bit, to come alongside them and instead of scream and yell and complain about them, to come alongside them and encourage them and show them a better way, to serve them by leading them. 
Do we serve? Are we God's coworker? Because just as Jessica said earlier, that maybe you've been serving for a long time and you're not sure which, if you can, should continue in this direction, ask God. Maybe he'll open a new opportunity for you. You may have been in a rut or you've been in the, the COVID lazies because we've all been there. You just sort of got in this rut in COVID and it's like, ah, oh, like, it takes all I can do to get up and get here. Ask God, seek, ask, find. He will open the door for you, but find a way to serve people, to serve one another. That's true when life is about you and when life is not about you. I have a friend and when we were growing up, we were maybe juniors or seniors in high school. We were on the tennis team together and he was the number one tennis player. Uh, I was the number three tennis player, uh, but I played mostly doubles. And he and I were great friends. Uh, we became friends because I invited myself to his birthday party when we were six, in sixth grade. That's how it works sometimes. <laughs> Take the bull by the horns. Because he invited everybody else at our lunch table and I said, hey, what about me? I want to come. He's like, well, okay, sure. And we're great friends. And we were coming back from a tennis tournament and he had not done very well. And in my younger days, I was a little competitive, uh, a lot competitive, and I was pretty salty uh, in the sense of being antagonistic uh, towards my friends and teammates and uh, sarcasm reigned often. And so I kept needling my friend and he was so bad, I'm not bad, he was so mad. I mean, he was angry at me and I knew it. And so that just fueled my fire. I just kept pushing. And all of a sudden he rears back and he just hits me as hard as he can in the chest. I couldn't believe it. So what I do I slugged him as hard as I could in the arm. We're in a van, a van, by the way. We're in a van. And he hit me again and I started laughing. And it stopped. And he's like, leave me alone, dude. Okay. That's what I think of when I think of brother who's not my blood relationship. Someone who I know that I can push to the limit and they will respond in due kind and it can be over. Timothy is called a brother of Paul. Not blood related, not, not from the same parents, but the same savior. And on that day, sometime in 1988, I think, when my friend Brian and I had our little slugfest for a moment, and I apologized and it went away. And for the next now 30 plus years, we've still been friends, had a great season together, I think about what it means to be in the family of faith and how we need to have people in our lives 
like that. Who will know that when they are struggling or when they are succeeding, I'm gonna be there for them. And when I'm struggling or succeeding, they're gonna be there for me. Are there people in your life that know that you're gonna be there when they struggle or when they succeed? Do they know that you're gonna be there even when they're mad at you and you're mad at them? And you can work through that. That's what it means to be a brother, a sister in the faith. Paul calls Timothy, this young man who is a a young believer who is maturing quickly, he calls him a brother, not just in this passage, but in 2 Corinthians and other portions of scripture. He is our brother. He is like family to me. Who have you invited into your life that's like family? That's how we get stronger in our faith is to have a family of faith people that we can lean on, not that we can always agree with or be perfectly connected to. No, that sometimes we disagree with and we push each other's buttons and we get mad at each other or we get hurt. But no, that we can then under the grace and the umbrella of God's grace, we can offer forgiveness. We can celebrate with them when God, when God does great things in their lives. When they have victories, we can celebrate with them. When they have failures, we can come alongside them and help them. When we have disagreements, we can trust that God's forgiveness covers all of us. And so we can forgive each other. That's what brothers and sisters are to be like. That's not just true in our family. That's true in our faith. And so graduates, students particularly, I would say don't let people who are not on your team, on your side, who are not there to celebrate with you, who are not there to pick you up when you fall down. Don't let them run your life. Engage with people who will spur you on to victory and will lift you up when you fail. And church family, if there are people in your life who you call brother or sister in the faith, let me encourage you to treat them like a brother or sister in the best possible way, like we see on TV. Because those are the perfect people. But that's what it means. That's the, the nickname that I want, brother. And so surround yourself with people who will know that you're there for them and they are there for you. And then finally, as we think about this day, as we think about making our relationship stronger, as we think about the people that we surround ourselves with outside the faith, I wonder, are there people in your life that you're pouring into? Are there people that are younger in the faith or outside the faith that you're pouring into and building relationship with, no matter how old or young they are? And so no matter how old or young you are, you have an opportunity to pour into somebody else, else. So who's the next generation of Christ follower or potential Christ follower that you're pouring into? Who are you investing your life in? It doesn't matter if you're an eighth grader 
or you're 98, you can pour into somebody else's life. There's no retirement. There's, there's no like, oh, I, I can start when. No, if you have a relationship with Christ, you can start now by pouring into somebody else. When I was doing graduate work, I was a teaching assistant for a professor and I had to teach a couple of times. The beauty of that is that often I was a half a step in my understanding and learning than the students I was teaching. But I was still a half a step ahead of them. So if you are a new Christian, you're a step ahead of someone who is outside of the faith. You're a step ahead of someone who's just come to faith in Christ. If you've been a Christian 5, 10, 15, 20 years, don't think, well, you know what? If I just memorize Thessalonians, then I'll be ready. No, no, God has equipped you with enough after a year or two. If you've been engaged at all in any kind of spiritual lifestyle, he's equipped you, you're ready. You're, you're a step ahead of some people. And so don't be afraid, go with boldness. Don't think that, oh, well, I just gotta learn a little bit more. I just gotta know. No, God doesn't call us to be people of knowledge. He calls us to be people of faith and action, to share the truth in word and in deed. Look at Timothy. Timothy went to Corinth. He went to Philippi. He went to Thessalonica. And then after those three trips, you know what he became? The pastor at Ephesus. After three trips. So next Sunday, we're going to have a lottery. We'll announce the winner on Thursday, and you'll get to preach. Okay? So we all, we, we've, we've been taking photos all morning. So we have your faces. We'll put the names with it. The lottery. But that's it. Three trips with Paul around the Mediterranean, and he's the pastor of a church. Sent there in the early part of Christianity, which was a whole lot tougher than 21st century Texas. And so don't be afraid to live out your faith. Don't be afraid to go and pour into somebody else. May we never get tired of serving. May we never get tired of pouring into someone else. Graduates, I wanna encourage you today. I wanna celebrate you today. You've accomplished a great thing and you're gonna accomplish even greater things. I'm thankful that this church family has walked with you, at least one of you for a short time, but most of you, your entire lives. And God is gonna do great things through you. And so I want you to celebrate each other, but to continue to serve, to give, to look for people who you can invest your life in. And church family, may we follow their example. As they meet new friends, as they go off and to different places, whether it's here or elsewhere, at school, they're gonna, have to, they're gonna be forced to meet new people. It's not an option. Maybe we should take a lesson and act like every day is our first day of college when we're forced to meet new people. Where I'm going and sharing and living out a life based on faith. And so may we never get tired of serving. May we never stop looking for people to invest in. And we constantly be looking for ways to advance the gospel. That's how we get stronger. That's how we're stronger with each other. That's how we live a stronger life surrendered to him. So will you pray with me?